Welcome to TWW, The Weekly Wheel, where each week the Dharma Wheel rolls and delivers you new content available anywhere at any time in your everyday life. We present a mindfulness service, which has three components. First, meditation. And then we meditate with sound through chanting. You can have your mind wander when you sit in silence, but it's very difficult to wander as you chant. You need to focus on the next character, on your breathing, on the next line. And if you pat yourself on the back too much or become too self-aware, you'll miss a line. And then lastly, we have something called active listening, where we lean into and really listen to the Dharma talk given by our senseis. You could think of silent meditation and sound meditation through chanting as preparatory to get our minds focused and open and clear so we can really listen clearly and really take in the Dharma. And in a sense, it perfumes the mind. The mind is slowly changed as it hears new points of view, new perspectives, and new approaches to dealing with life. It's set up much like an in-person service. It's led, moderated by multiple voices. So you get a variety of opinions, a variety of, of perspectives as you go on your journey. So I hope you will join us now for this mindfulness service presented to you by the people at The Weekly Wheel and the Orange County Buddhist Church. Thank you so much. We will now have seated meditation. Take a moment to see that your back is straight and centered with your shoulders relaxed. If you're in a chair, it's best to sit forward slightly rather than leaning on the chair back and keep your feet flat on the floor. Try keeping your eyes half open, resting the gaze gently downward, without focusing on anything in particular. In the same way, be open to whatever sounds are coming into your ears, whether from inside the room or outdoors. We are not trying to isolate ourselves from the world around us, but rather feel that we're part of that world. If you like, you may count your breaths from one to ten. Inhale deeply, let it all out. Try slowing down your rate of breathing relative to what it would be at other times. We are not trying to think about anything in particular or visualize anything. We simply watch our thoughts come and go.
Please put your hands together in gasho. Bow. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namandabutsu. 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 You may stretch your legs and then please stand. We will now have our standing meditation session. Your upper body is in the same position as for sitting meditation. Straight head and spine, shoulders back, eyes half open, hands comfortably positioned in front. Legs should be shoulder width apart with knees slightly bent. Again, rock forward and backward and side to side to find your center. Standing meditation reminds us to take our meditation practice out into the world, waiting in line at the store, being stuck in traffic, going through TSA security at the airport. Over time, meditation becomes a practice for the body and mind that can be recalled when needed most in situations that may be merely annoying, perhaps frustrating, or even stressful. We will begin at the sound of the bell.
Please put your hands together in gasho and bow. Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz. Return to your seat or cushion. Sitting in this way, we might wonder what purpose we are achieving. Actually, there is no specific purpose. I think it's really to make us aware of what sitting is, what breathing is, standing is. What are these simple activities that we do most of the time without thinking about them at all? We'll begin our second sitting at the bell.
Please put your hands together in Gasho. Bow. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namandabutsu. 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 We will now begin our chanting segment. Chanting is another form of meditation. Through chanting, we have to be present in the moment as we concentrate on each syllable that's presented before us. It is a way for us to calm our minds and to be in the here and now. We will begin at the sound of the bell. We will now chant Jusege. Sudasumifu. 
I would like to share with you today some of my favorite books. I would like to share with you six of my favorite books on Buddhism. These are all relatively recent publications and are still available on Amazon at reasonable prices. Number one, 10% Happier, a book released in 2014 by Dan Harris. This book is written by Dan Harris, the ABC News anchor, not by Sam Harris, the atheist neuroscientist, philosopher. The two are often confused. Dan Harris tells the very personal story of how his unhappiness and cocaine addiction erupted on June seventh, two 2004, as an anxiety attack, live, on air, during a Good Morning America news report. From this point onward, he searched for something, anything that would help him find meaning in his life. This something, turned out, was Buddhism, He starts out a bit skeptical, but then begins to see changes in both himself and his appreciation of life. Ultimately, he discovers that just a small 10% improvement can bring true and lasting happiness. Number two, The Promise of a Sacred World, The Other Power Teachings of Shinran, 2022, by Nagapriya. The philosopher Paul Ricoeur 1913 to 2005, says that there are three ways to appreciate a book, a poem, or a song. First is an understanding of the time in which it was written. What is the work speaking to? Second is to look at the work and decipher why certain phrases and symbols were used by the author. Third is to appreciate the meaning from the eyes of the viewer. In our Buddhist tradition, we tend to focus on the first two, when reading the collected works of Shinran. We try to understand the issues he is speaking to during his life and times, and we also analyze his quotations and word choices. 
This book is somewhat unique in that it explores the emotional content of Shinran's writings, both for Shinran and the reader. In this book, Shinran's sacred world comes alive for us, one that is asking us to join him. Number three, Pure Land History, Tradition, and Practice, 2021 by Charles B. Jones. This book focuses on the first approach just described. It gives us a panoramic view of the vast history, traditions, and practices of Pure Land Buddhism, beginning in India, traveling through China, and then arriving in Japan. This book provides the context necessary when we read Shinran's writings directly. This book also places Shinran in the middle of all the Mahayana debates of his time. There is also the myth called the Lone Genius, where we assume that great thinkers created their works in isolation. This type of thinking isolates Shinran from the Mahayana tradition, which weakens his arguments rather than strengthens them. Shinran is still a genius, but not in isolation. Number four, I can't believe it's not Buddha. What fake Buddha quotes can teach us about Buddhism? 2018 by Bodhi Paksa. This book highlights how most of the quotations of the Buddha on social media are inaccurate. For example, the following quotation attributed to the Buddha was found on the Twitter bio of actress and pop icon Miley Cyrus. Quote, happiness does not depend on what you have or who you are. It solely relies on what you think. Bodhipaksa predicts that in the distant future, all quotes from our era will be attributed to Mark Twain, Winston Churchill, Albert Einstein, and of course, the Buddha. Number five, Buddha Dharma, The Way to Enlightenment, 2006 by the Numata Center. This book is 730 pages long, but every one of them is necessary in order to weave all the Buddha Sutras together into a single grand historical drama. It begins with the Buddha's birth, through his life, and ends with his passing by sampling the larger Sutra, Lotus Sutra, and Nirvana Sutra, among many others along the way. This gives the Buddhist sutras a consistency and cohesiveness that is missing when read in isolation. Just read two pages a day, and you'll be done in one year. Just 2 times 365 equals 730. In this way, you can appreciate the arc of the Buddha's life. Number six, great disciples of the Buddha, their lives, their work, their legacy, 2003 by Thera and Hecker. This book contains the stories of all the great disciples of the Buddha. Each one is depicted as a real person with struggles and dreams. We find that the two main disciples of the Buddha, Sariputra and Moggallana, were childhood friends, both bored with life and together went on a spiritual journey. We also learn about the questions that Kajapa and Ananda asked that were the genesis of Zen and Pure Land Buddhism, respectively. The stories of many of the female disciples are also presented. For example, how the Buddha's stepmother, Mahapajapati, becomes the first Buddhist nun and begins the female monastic tradition in Buddhism. Each one of these books is well worth the read. I hope you can find the time to do so. Just two pages a day. Thank you very much. Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts. Reverend John Turner. Today's program was presented and produced by the Buddhist Education Center of Orange County Buddhist Church.
This podcast is copyrighted 2024 by the Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, all rights reserved.